Conor McGregor wins UFC 246 in 40 seconds. Eli Manning is announcing his retirement from the NFL. And Super Bowl 54 is set in Miami, Kansas City versus San Francisco. All of this and more on another damn sports podcast. In the words of our good friend Chris Dean, the Giants are losing the New York mouse breather, but they gained the Dallas Clapper. Oh. <laughs> A lot of news with the New York Giants lately. A huge brawl in the Kansas and Kansas State game that culminated in a player attacking another with a stool. A lot of crazy news. But first, we have to cover who's going to be in the Super Bowl because we had a couple great games over the weekend. Uh, and we're going to start with the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Tennessee Titans. And this was a good game, Mike. It, you know, it was scary at the beginning because all NFL fans knew. We knew that if it was Kansas City versus either team in the NFC, we we're going to get a great Super Bowl. And the Titans start off 10 to nothing. It's like, okay, you know, they were only down to, they, they were down to Houston 24 to nothing, but then it was 17 to seven. And it was like, okay, come on, Kansas city. Let's, let's get it going. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> when Patrick Mahomes ran it in at the end of the first half with a 27 yard touchdown to give Kansas city the lead at halftime, I was like, all right. That run was ridiculous. Yeah, I, was, I know it, some of the worst tackling I've ever seen. Like there was at least five missed tackles on that run. And then he like was tiptoeing down the sideline. Yeah. It was just like it was like a Lamar Jackson play, you know. Like like that's how you know that Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league right now mm-hmm. because he can do everything. He's he's we talk about Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson being magicians. Yeah, in quotations there, Patrick Mahomes is the real deal. Oh yeah, and he was just he should have been in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, but this year was just like he was. Even with despite the injuries, despite all the obstacles, everybody talking about Baltimore, New England. I truly feel throughout the whole season that Kansas City, if healthy, was the best team in the AFC. And that was the issue was Pat Mahomes was hurt for part of the season, which hurt them. You yeah, know? but I mean, two hundred ninety four yards, three touchdowns. It was phenomenal. And Andy Reid going into this game in his entire career, his worst record as a head coach is against the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. He was one and eight yep. going into that AFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. One yeah. and eight. That was part of the reason why I texted you early in the game, and I was like, I just have a feeling that the damn Titans are going to the Super Bowl. I don't know why, but I think that was part of it. Like, like I saw that stat, and I was like, man, the Titans have really dominated Andy Reid. But, yeah, the, the Chiefs were able to turn around after that slow start. Um, I think the biggest factor in this game was when I saw, I think it was during the fourth quarter, they brought up the time of possession. Mm-hmm. It was equal. And if you have an equal time of possession with the Kansas City Chiefs, you are not winning that game because you can no. you see that they can score a touchdown on a two minute drive. Well, and the Titans did exactly what we all said they needed to do to win this game: is they got a lead early. Mm-hmm. They got a lead early, and then all they had to do was ground and pound, and you know get. But you can't get Patrick Mahomes off the field. That's the yeah. problem. You know, once he got on the field, he just made magic happen. But. Yeah, the time of possession was it's pretty close, right? It, it was so the Tennessee Titans had the ball for 30 minutes and 10 seconds. The Chiefs had it for 29 minutes and 50 seconds. Yeah. So a 20 second differential, uh, and neither team turned the ball over. Yeah, and it was that's a very what, clean game. It's one thing yeah. that Kansas City is great at is they don't turn the ball over. But we knew that about Tennessee coming in that they yeah. also didn't beat themselves. So neither team beat themselves really in that department. They both had a bunch of penalties. I mean. Tennessee had eight penalties for 85 yards, and Kansas City had nine for 61, but still pretty close there. I think, honestly, what I was most surprised about with this game was the third quarter because literally the third quarter, the Chiefs ran the ball, and they they ran the ball very well to the point where they had the ball for most of the third quarter, and you don't see that with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. They're very explosive. They try to score quick, but they were able to get that lead, and they 
they hung on to it. Andrew Reid had the perfect game plan to just run the ball with Damian Williams, eat up that clock, and it worked to perfection. Yeah, and um, Henry was only held to 69 yards. Yeah. That was the postseason he was having. It's tough, man. It's a tough way to end. And you saw the – I forgot who it was. The Kansas City defender came out and was, like, talking shit about Derrick Henry. He's like, you guys called him the king, the best runner in the league, and he, run, he runs for 69 yards. Like, he, he was he was going off. Hey, it went, you won, so you get to say whatever you want yeah. at that point. Yeah, exactly. It was uh, it was it was awesome. It was great to see. Uh, you know, the cheap talk about fans who deserved a, a, a Super Bowl appearance. Fifty years, okay. That was you know, the nineteen seventy was the last time that the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl, and you and I weren't even here. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> My dad was a freshman in high school. Yeah. Um. It's crazy, man. It was a it, long was, damn time ago. It, you know, it, it's crazy. Yeah, and uh, good for the Chiefs. I mean, they kind of had the path laid out for them with the Dolphins beating the Patriots. That gave them the the week off, which was huge. Mm-hmm. And then they, they got lucky enough that the Titans beat the Patriots. I mean, it, the Chiefs probably would have beat the Patriots too. Yeah, most definitely, especially yeah. at, at Arrowhead. Yeah. And I, I also would argue that I think that Kansas City would have been able to go to Baltimore and win. Yeah, no, I I wouldn't have been surprised. They beat Baltimore once already this season, so why not think they could, they could do it again? You know, put, put this in perspective, everybody. Richard Nixon was the president the last time the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl. <laughs> okay. Oh my God, I don't even think Watergate had happened yet by, by that point. <laughs> so I think I was in like seventy one or seventy two. I don't know. My history is a little off, but yeah, man, it's been a long time. So so good for Kansas City. Um, I'm sure the fans are excited. I'm sure the older fans are. Really excited. The thing is, Andy Reid is so motivated to win the Super Bowl because he wants that fast food buffet at the White House yes. with Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, he, he did an interview, and they asked him what was the first thing he did after they won it. He said, I went home and ate a cheeseburger. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> yeah, classic Andy Reid. Big Mac attack if they win the Super Bowl. <laughs> now, this isn't my official pick, but it, it would be awesome to see Andy Reid get a Super Bowl win, you know, because he, he deserves it. He, he's a hell of a coach, and I, I just really hope he's able to pull it out. Yeah, I we're not revealing who we are picking yet, but if I were to just choose who I would want to win, it's Kansas City for Andy Reid and you know Patrick Mahomes is just so much fun to watch, and he's such a, I, I think he's just such a great kid. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's, he's a, you know, he's a great kid. He's like one of the year younger than us. He's younger than us. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. You know. <laughs> He's younger than yeah. Well, you know, I'm graying out, so that's true. You, I, you look I, like you're forty. I so. feel like an old man. Yeah. So yeah, no. It, but he's just such, he seems like he's such a um, a confident. He's not arrogant. He's confident, mm-hmm. and he seems like he wants he wants the Super Bowl more for Andy Reid than for himself. He came out and said that he's like, I yeah. want to win more for him than, and I'm just like, that's that's a guy I want to see win. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he wants to do it for the fans too. Like we said, that they've been waiting for so long, and they have, they have a great fan base there, man. Every game that we watched there with the with the tomahawk chop and mm-hmm. the, the chant and everything. It just looks like so much fun. Yeah, I mean, you should have seen Paul Rudd over there excited. He's a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan. He was jumping in the players' arms after the game. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so there's some famous Chiefs fans. There's uh, Paul Rudd, there's Rob Riggle, there's uh, some, I, I know them as celebrities because they're former Survivor players, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're uh, heroes in your heart. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I'm thrilled for the Kansas City Chiefs and, um, it's, it was funny. Someone said uh, that Tom Brady probably doesn't want to go to the Chargers now because that would mean he has to play Patrick Mahomes twice a year. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. That would be tough. But we'll see where Tom Brady ends up. Good for the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, hopefully they play well in the Super Bowl. And 
we will uh, take a short break and then we'll cover the other side where the 49ers dismantled the Green Bay Packers. Would Aaron Rodgers be able to make up for the horrible showing that his Green Bay Packers had earlier in the season in San Francisco against Jimmy Garofalo and the 49ers? This just in, no. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) It was incredibly horrible to watch that Packers team in the first half. They put up zero points. Their offense was stagnant. Their defense was non-existent. The 49ers were getting chunk play after chunk play on the ground with Raheem Mostert, of all running backs, Mike, what the hell happened to Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers? They went up against a juggernaut, really. I mean, San Francisco was – we talked about the Chiefs being the best team in the AFC all year long. Uh, San Francisco dominated the NFC. The NFC that was top-heavy, even when the, there were four teams that were like 12 and, and 3, San Francisco was still leaps and bounds better than the other teams. Uh, they're just – they've got four top – 10 draft picks on their defensive line. They don't have to rush more than four people on their defense. That means their entire secondary can go out and cover, mm-hmm. one of which is Richard Sherman, who's going to be a future Hall of Famer. He got an interception in this game. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, he's, he's uh, you know, one of the best uh, cornerbacks to ever play the game. And, you know, Bosa and that entire line are just aggressive and, you know, put Aaron Rodgers under pressure and he didn't play well. And the Packers went down 27 and nothing at the end of the first half. It just seemed like San Francisco, you know, dominated from start to finish in this game. And the Packers defense, I mean, this is a team game. It's not all on Aaron Rodgers. The Packers defense could not stop the run. It was horrible. Like, I just don't get how they were giving up such massive plays. I mean, Raheem Mostert, most uh, yards on the ground in the history of the 49ers, top three in the history of the NFL in the playoffs. How many was it? 200-something? It was... Let's see what we got here. Raheem Mostert, 220 yards rushing with four touchdowns, 29 carries. Like, you can't have a better day than that when you're a running back. And the, the biggest thing is the 49ers, they have more than one. I mean, Tevin Coleman went down with what looked like it was a pretty bad elbow injury, so he probably won't be seen in the Super Bowl. But they still have Matt Breida as well. So even if Raheem Mostert is tired or hurt after mm-hmm. the, that crazy showing, they have another guy uh, in the back. Kyle Shanahan wants to play Sorry. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan wants to play old school football, run the ball, and play stellar defense. Yeah. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers, for those of you who don't know, was snubbed by the 49ers uh, back in the 2005 draft. I don't know how you couldn't know that because that meme just went around everywhere before this. Well, game. yeah, I'm just saying, for those who are ignorant and don't don't pay attention, you know? <laughs> ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not ignorant, uneducated. That, that, that still sounds bad. What the hell? <laughs> Un- uninformed. <laughs> uninformed. We'll say, yes. Okay, okay. Uninformed people. <laughs> that still sounds horrible, too. I don't know, whatever. Just get, go ahead. All right, if point. you didn't know, okay, if you didn't know the obvious, he was snubbed by the 49ers. They had the, the number one draft pick in 2005. They took Alex Smith and said, and Aaron Rodgers, once he was drafted, he was asked, you know, all right, what do you think about the 49ers not drafting? Do you think they'll regret not drafting you? And he goes, not as much as they're going to regret not drafting me. Or he said something along those lines. Like, yeah. you know, it was just like this really cocky, arrogant answer. And if I'm the 49ers, I'm like, uh, bro, we've played you like three or four times in the playoffs and we won every single time. Now, <laughs> the issue is the 49ers have been really bad for a very long time. 
since that draft, really. Like, other than the that little stint they, that they, they had. They had a three-year span where they yeah. were the NFC Championship game three years in a row, one of which was a Super Bowl right. trip. But other than that, they have not been good. True. So I can kind of get that they probably should have drafted Aaron Rodgers. At oh, that well, point. of course. Yeah. But, 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 but my point is, is like when they've gone head to head, yeah, that's 49ers have beaten them every time. That's true. So, yeah. Yeah. So for you, uh, you people who just didn't know, weren't aware. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers was not drafted by the 49ers. No. Um, but yeah, no, this was an incredible game for the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo had to do absolutely nothing. Six for eight, 77 yards. <laughs> Through eight passes. I mean, it's, it's just, Ridiculous. I think the the record for the least amount of throws in a game in the playoffs was six. So he completed that many. Um, I, when you don't need him, you don't need him. You know, like their running game was obviously working as I laid out the stats earlier. So 285 yards, crazy. The only thing is, I don't think the 49ers will be able to do this same thing. You know, they're they're going to need Garoppolo to throw a little bit more against the Chiefs because, like, as great as this 49ers defense is. You're not going to just completely shut down the Chiefs. Well, I, I, in in all fairness to Jimmy G, he's shown that he is able to do that when asked. I mean, if you look at that game they had against the, the New Saints, Orleans Saints, yeah. I mean, he went 26 for 35 with 349 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, that's true. So he can do it. It's just can he do it under the biggest stage and the brightest lights at well, the Super Bowl? When we're talking about like experience at the Super Bowl, he at least – he never played in those games, but he was there. I don't know if that makes a difference. Dude. He, he, he has been well, no, but he he knows what media like you know media day is like. That's he, true. He's been okay. in that environment. Yeah, uh, he's also seen the greatest of all time. Yeah, prepare for the Super Bowl. <laughs> it, 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 it it helps. I don't know. It, yeah, I, no, I'm sure it does. It's just funny to hear this. Like the backup quarterback has Super Bowl experience. He's got two rings. Yeah. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. He's got two rings. Yeah. One uh, from their game against Seattle where Russell Wilson threw the uh, interception on the sideline. Yeah, Malcolm Butler. Yeah. Speaking of that game, uh, did you see the uh, the heated exchanges between Richard Sherman and uh, Darrell Revis? I did. That was hilarious. And on Twitter, yeah, Revis Island was going off on Richard Sherman about which getting is, beat. Which, which is really weird because they did just win the NFC Championship. This is Richard Sherman's third Super Bowl appearance. It was very random. It, he was, it, it, and Richard Sherman only is this is his third appearance. This is his second organization he's made at the Super Bowl with. Yeah. So I mean, there's no debate where, that Sherman. Where, is whereas Revis never made anything until he went that one year in New England. Which surprise, surprise, they went to the Super Bowl that yeah. year. But was he the one that made that miracle interception? No. No. It was Malcolm Butler. Exactly. But uh, no, I mean Richard Sherman. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He isn't. Has been an elite corner. For years, so I don't know where the hell Darrell Revis was coming. Because honestly, Revis only had a few good seasons. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they said there was that whole Revis Island thing, but that's because he was on the Jets, right? Like, like any good player on the Jets, they're going to just blow up to like crazy proportions. Um, but either way, good for the 49ers. I mean, I'm sure 49ers fans are happy to be back at the Super Bowl since the last time they made it against the Ravens. Yeah, was I was a, loss. I was a freshman in college. You were a senior in high school. Yeah, that was the game where the, the lights cut out and this whole conspiracy. Oh, did the NFL do this to make this a close game? You know, because at that point, the Ravens were killing them, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. the Ravens were up 21 to 6, I think, at halftime. And then Jacoby Jones returned to kick to start the second half. Yeah. And then the, and that the was lights the lights went out. And then, <laughs> after that. And then after that, the 49ers came back. And I think the Ravens, what, they only won by like three or something like that? It was a pretty close game. Uh, right? I think they won by like, yeah, two or three. Yeah. So. 
Uh, heartbreaking loss for the 49ers. They're hoping that, that they can. Only Super Bowl that that franchise has ever lost. Oh, wow, really? That, they've been. This will be their seventh appearance in the Super Bowl. The first five they won, and that was the only one that they lost. That's incredible. I did not know that. The only starting quarterback for the 49ers to lose the Super Bowl is uh, flag-kneeling Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> they won't have him on the team uh, this time around. They have Jimmy G. We have an exciting matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers for Super Bowl 54. Yeah, 54 in Miami, and uh, Joe Montana played for both of these organizations. So this is going to be an interesting position for him to be in. I mean, I, I think of him more as a 49er than a Most Kansas City do. Chief. Yeah. Uh, but it, I think this is really exciting for football. I mean, this is the 100th year anniversary of the NFL. It would have been cool if it was Chiefs and Packers because they were in the first Super Bowl. But these are two very historic franchises in the NFL. You've got the Kansas City Chiefs uh, who w- were in this first Super Bowl and won one of the very first Super Bowls. Like they, I think they won Super Bowl four. Yeah, that sounds Super right. Bowl three or yeah. four. Um, this, and they haven't been there since, so they're you know kind of even 500 record in the Super Bowl. And the, obviously, the San Francisco 49ers, the, the NFC Championship game that was their 16th appearance in the That's NFC incredible. Championship. Holy crap! I, I didn't know it was that many. Uh, yeah, and uh, this will be their uh, you know like I said earlier, their seventh appearance in the Super Bowl. And if I'm a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers, I am rooting hard for the Kansas City Chiefs because if the 49ers win this Super Bowl, they will have six. And that will tie the Steelers who lead the NFL with six Super Bowls. So all of Pennsylvania yeah. is rooting for oh, – all of that part of Pennsylvania are rooting for <laughs> Kansas City. Okay, did, doesn't New England have six now too? Do they have five? I mean, oh, well, no, Brady has six. Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah, that's okay. true. Yeah, so. but, but still, they don't want anyone else joining that club. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So there, there's a lot of uh, different stories with the Super Bowl. Which We try to black out New England winning Super Bowls. Yeah, that's true. We, we don't really think about that. But every time there's a, even just a glimpse of a story around the Super Bowl, it's blown out of proportion and everybody talks about it. And we're going to be talking about it too on this podcast. But as you can tell, we have not made any picks yet because we need the week to think about it because Money Mike and I are tied in the score or in the pick standings. Yeah. Um, so th- this this game is huge. How we're going to do it is we're going to believe what we're going to flip a coin, and then well, the thing is, is that we, if we both wanted to pick the opposite team, we wouldn't need to flip a coin. But yeah, we but might we might need to flip a coin just to see who gets the right to pick first. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing, and hopefully uh, it works out to both of our advantage where we pick who we want. But th- that wasn't the case last week. I mean, neither of us wanted to take a chance on either of the underdogs, and it's a good thing we didn't because we both picked the favorites, and it worked out that they both won. Exactly. So, so tune in next week to another damn sports podcast to hear the final picks of the NFL's 100th season by Money Mike and I to decide the winner of the Pick'em contest. With Super Bowl 54 being set, as we uh, said before, it is the San Francisco 49ers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of talk about you know fans who don't have their team in the Super Bowl this year are uh, looking towards next year. And uh, Drew, I'm curious. We'll each pick an AFC and an NFC team here. Who do you think has the best chance to make the Super Bowl next year, aside from Kansas City and San Francisco? Man, I'll I'll start with the NFC because the AFC is tough. The NFC, I think – I can't believe I'm saying this. Roster-wise, skill-wise, and talent-wise, the New New Orleans Saints should make the Super Bowl. Like, they are such a good team. Mm -hmm. They just keep choking in the playoffs. And if they stick with Drew Brees, if they keep him around and they keep Michael, obviously they're keeping Michael Thomas because they're paying him a lot of money. They still have Alvin Kamara. They have Taysom Hill. 
if they can just get their shit together when it matters most, I think they can make the Super Bowl. Like, of all the teams in the NFC other than the San Francisco 49ers, I think it's definitely the New Orleans Saints. You know, I, the thing is, is that I, I want to believe that, but just something always goes wrong with them. Uh, another team that things just always go wrong, that roster-wise, they, sh- they should be one of the best teams in the NFC, and they're just not. The Dallas Cowboys. I mean, their rosters, they've, they've got everything you want on defense, and they've got, you know, Dak Preston's not a superstar quarterback, but he's a good quarterback. Yeah, They've got great running game in Ezekiel Elliott. They've got a number one receiver in Amari Cooper. They've now brought in a Hall of not a Hall of Fame coach, but a, a good coach in Mike McCarthy. I mean, he has a Super Bowl uh, under his belt. Uh, they should be one of those teams that should make a run if everything goes right for them. But the team that I'm going to go with that sh- you know I, I think will have a good run next year, uh, the Seattle Seahawks. They were my second pick. Like I was debating between those two. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll is a, just a great quarterback coach combination. Uh, always finding a way to win. And I think that they're uh, had they been the, had they not lost the, the 49ers in Week 17, if they had, were able to get into the end zone, they were less than a yard short, and they were the number like they were one of the number one twos. I think if they would have won, they would have been like the two seed. But if they had been the two seed, they might have been the representative of the NFC this year. That's and true. I don't know how the 49ers had their two games at home. Mm-hmm. The 49ers had to go to Seattle and then to Green Bay. Were no. they still? Beating Green Bay as easily? I, I don't think so. Yeah, no, it definitely wouldn't have been as easy. So. And, and they, they showed that they struggled against Seattle. I still think San Francisco is the better team this year. Yeah. But next year, I mean, Seattle's, you know, a lot of their players are young, and I think they're only going to get better. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree that Seattle is always going to be at the top for me, even in the years where they didn't perform as well and they got like a wild card spot or something. They always seem to be in the running to make a run. Yeah. You know? So Seattle's definitely a good pick for the AFC Man, like, you, like the obvious pick is the Baltimore Ravens. Like, right. That's not who my pick is, by the way. Right. And I don't know if it's mine either because the you cannot trust Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. Yet. Who knows where Tom Brady's going? That's true. That's that's a big thing, too. Like, if he sticks with the Patriots, then I'm just going to say the Patriots. Yeah. Because they're the Patriots. Yeah. But if he leaves, then the Patriots, they're definitely not going to be a favorite to make the Super Bowl. And then you would probably say the Baltimore Ravens. But for right now, if Tom Brady – Sticks as a New England Patriot. You can't not pick the Patriots. I'm not picking the Patriots, really? actually. No, the okay. team I'm picking this might shock you, but if they stay healthy, their big problem this year is they got injured constantly throughout the season. Jacksonville Jaguars. But they still – no. They, <laughs> they still had a winning record. Again, the Pittsburgh Steelers. It, it, I, I think that they have a really good team in place, mm-hmm. and I think that if Big Ben stays healthy and his weapons stay healthy, uh, they've got a good defense. They've got great coaching. With two mediocre quarterbacks, they still managed to crawl their way to ten and six, and almost got into the playoffs. No, they were ten and six. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, no, I think they ended up with eight wins. I think eight and eight. No, they had a winning record. I know that for so a fact. It was probably nine and seven then, because uh, they lost to the Jets. I remember at the end of the season, I was like, "What?" Uh, let's uh, let's see here. Pull up the standings. Uh, I, I don't know because I know they were struggling towards the end of the season. Oh, they were eight and eight. I'm yeah, sorry. Eight, I, yeah. I thought they. I were, think they lost their last two games. Oh, yeah. I thought they were nine and seven for some. Nine, I thought they were ten and six. I thought they. Yeah. Got there, but, but you're right. They, they, they were played commendably. They were yeah. plagued with injuries. Yeah. You know, so I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are a team to watch out for next year. My my only issue with that is that their offensive firepower is so weak. 
compared to what it used to be. Yeah. I mean, they have James Conner running back and then Juju, and that's basically it. You know, like there's no more Brown and Bell. But but we see the difference a year makes. I mean, look at the Chicago Bears. Last year they were 12 and 4. This year they were 8 and 8. Uh, San Francisco last year was 5 and 11. Yeah. So and, you never know, really. Yeah, that's how the NFL is. Yeah. But it's 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 exciting. Um, we we got a lot of uh, things that are already happening in the uh, in the NFL uh, offseason for some of these teams. Uh, most notably for me personally and for Giants fans, uh, Eli Manning has uh, is going to announce his retirement on Friday officially. Very sad, Mike. Very sad. Oh, well, in honor of that, uh, during the podcast, you guys can't see us, but I'm wearing my Eli jersey during this recording, and I uh, just want to say Eli Manning was a uh, quarterback that we all really appreciated in New York. Uh, he uh, got two Super Bowls. He was two-time Super Bowl MVP. He's uh, the leader in almost every passing category for the Giants, including interceptions, I think. so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, he was the quarterback for a very long time. He's one of the top all-time passers in the NFL in a lot of categories. So, you know, I, Eli should have probably retired a few years ago because he just kind of fell off. Um, but – from that span of like 2005 to 2013, Eli was a great quarterback. Yeah. And I think he's going to get in the hall of fame simply off of the two Super Bowls. But because people, a lot of, a lot of fans think of the Eli Manning from 2014 to this year. Yeah. Not the Eli Manning that came into the league and led the giants to the playoffs, you know, four or five times Mm -hmm. in that span with two Super Bowls. Yeah. So he's definitely, he, I think he's going to get in and he's going to be like, the borderline, you know, I think he's going to be sure, like the benchmark. Yeah, yeah. Like a, a quarterback who won a couple Super Bowls had a not a short, but like half of his career was good, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I think that's going to be the limit. Like that's what you need to do to make the hall is to get a couple chips and at least have a good portion of your career be great. And but not only was he uh, good in those Super Bowl games, he was good on those Super Bowl runs. Mm-hmm. I mean, they went in 07, They went to Tampa Bay to Dallas, who they lost to twice in the regular season, then to Lambeau Field against Brett Favre and the Packers. Yeah. Won all three games. Eli didn't turn the ball over. Yeah. In all three games. And then they had their Super Bowl run in 2011 where they uh, they had a home game against the Atlanta Falcons because they won their division, which they had to win in Week 17 to win the division against Dallas. If they lost that game, they lose the NFC East, and they don't even make the playoffs because right. their record was only 9-7. and seven. Man, NFC East is always just a low record <laughs> division. It's called the NFC least. Yeah. Um, uh, but I don't know. I mean, one year the Giants were the number one seed in the NFL in 2008. They were 12 oh, yeah, and four. That's, that's right. And they would have won the Super Bowl that year if Plesko didn't shoot himself in the leg. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, they had the run against where they went to uh, Green Bay and beat Aaron Rodgers. And then they went to San Francisco, who was playing good. That, that was that three year span we were talked about earlier where they went on this run. And in both Super Bowls, they be Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. I mean, yeah. And one of those teams was undefeated at the time. Yeah. Not anymore. One, <laughs> one giant loss. So no, congratulations to Eli Manning on a phenomenal career. Uh, I'm very happy to say I won't see him in another uniform. I did think it'd be kind of funny if he was playing for the Jags just for your sake, <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy. I won't ever have to see Eli Manning wearing anything other than uh big blue. There you go, man. Well, uh, kudos to Eli Manning for a great uh, career. And just uh, very quickly, the Jaguars hired Jay Gruden as their offensive coordinator. Woohoo. I don't know. This team is a freaking mess. So I, I, no one hiring is going to make a difference. Yeah. It, it, he's supposedly a good offensive mind, but who knows? Because it didn't show in Washington. But they, they did well play well in Cincy for those years. He was the offensive coordinator. Uh, 
with a team that really wasn't that good and it was led by Andy Dalton. So, uh, Speaking of Andy Dalton, I heard this rumor. What would you do if Tom Brady leaves New England and Andy Dalton is the guy they bring in to replace him? Because I heard that Bill Belichick would be interested in working with Andy Dalton. Jeez, that, that would be the biggest trade-off in the history of the NFL. I think that Andy Dalton would play well in New England. I think he would too. I don't think he'd play well really anywhere else. Yeah. No, I, I could totally see that. Like he needs to be well coached to be successful. Yeah. And when you go to New England, you're going to be well coached. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting development. We'll uh, keep an eye on that, see if that happens. I'll tell you what, though. Bills fans who love Andy Dalton will hate him if he oh, plays yeah. for New England. And if, like, because, you know, with Tom Brady leaving, Bills fans around here are going to be like, it's our year to win the division. And then Andy Dalton and the Pats win it. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I would take some personal pleasure in that. I would just laugh. That would be pretty funny. But uh, hopefully that doesn't happen for my sake because then Kristen would be very sad. But she loves Andy Dalton. Get her an Andy Dalton Pats jersey for Christmas next year. Oh, jeez, man. If this happens, it's going to be incredible. By that time, you guys will be married. So if you do that, you might uh... – file for divorce I don't yeah. know. <laughs> one of the shortest you won't she would yeah. <laughs> exactly but all right so what do you think of uh jason garrett being hired what are your thoughts well i i knew that they were interested in him i, I was just afraid he was going to be the head coach i think that would have been really bad if he just <laughs> let go from dallas and then becomes the head coach of the new york giants um you know what he's uh, uh all you can say about him is he at least knows what he's doing on offense they always even though Dallas didn't win a ton of games, they always had, were scoring a lot. Mm-hmm. Like those Tony Romo teams were really high-scoring teams, and uh, they were the number one ranked offense this year in the entire NFL. Yeah. So even though they didn't even make the playoffs, um, I think that he, he's he's fit to be a coordinator. I don't know how he feels about going from being the head coach for 10 years in one team, and now he's the offensive coordinator, not even the assistant head coach, to a guy who has zero head coaching experience. <laughs> yeah. That's kind a of, guy that wasn't even like a – an offensive or defensive coordinator. No, he was a special teams coach. Yeah. So I don't know how that dynamic is going to work, but I, I didn't know that Jason Garrett had played for the giants. I I had no idea. I thought he was just a cowboy, a backup for Troy Aikman. And that was it. But he played three years as a backup uh, in New York. He wore number 17. Uh, the Jason Garrett roots. So they're there. So he, he's been a part of the New York giants organization. I don't feel great because he is a cowboy. He is a cowboy. And I don't want this to be like, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. bringing in a member of HYDRA and then HYDRA takes over and poisons the organization. (laughs) Hell, HYDRA. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, we'll see what happens with Jason Garrett. The Dallas Clapper is now the New York Clapper. Uh, A lot of big uh, NFL news that we wanted to cover there. And uh, hopefully the Super Bowl will bring a great ending to this awesome NFL season and uh we'll have an exciting off season full of moves uh, full of uh signings that we will track throughout um but uh yeah that's mm-hmm. it for nfl i just wanted to give a quick shout out to a project that is very near and dear to the hearts of two of my closest friends Boho homo Their mission is to attempt to understand the human experience and inject an uplifting and positive message into this crazy world that we live in. And you can visit their website to learn more about this incredible community organization at bohohobolifestyle.com. Explore endlessly. So, to join us on the podcast, we have our recurring baseball analyst, Rob Hannon, longtime uh, Yankee fan. Uh, Rob, 
Derek Jeter, the captain, almost unanimously got into the Hall of Fame, 396 out of 397 votes. Uh, five-time World Series champion, started playing in 1996 when uh, you were two years old, three years old. Uh, what do you think about the captain getting into the Hall of Fame? It's awesome. I mean, I think everyone knew it was going to happen. Uh, obviously, growing up, Jeter was one of, if not my favorite players. Um, you know, just a guy that played the game the right way his whole life. And, you know, I'm just happy for him. And I, I think it's great all around. Yeah, 14-time All-Star, five-time Golden Glove. Five Silver Slugger Awards, two Hank Aaron Awards, and, uh, you know, World Series MVP in 2000. Even as a Red Sox fan, I mean, the guy was a great baseball player. I, I'm actually mad that he didn't get unanimously voted in. Imagine being that one guy that was just like, nah, Derek Cheater sucked. Like, like, well, what is your thought process there? He probably worked for the Boston Globe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw a picture on Twitter of the guy's ballot, uh, allegedly, I don't think it's confirmed yet, that didn't vote for him. And he, he voted for some, like, completely random people. So I don't know if he just didn't take it seriously or not. They, they asked Jeter that question. They're like, what do you think about not being unanimous? He's like, I don't care. Like, you know, it's just an honor to be selected. And I, I think that's a great mindset to have. That kind of – that's just the kind of guy Jeter is, you know. He, he just went out and handled business every day and let the results take care of themselves. Yeah, I mean, for our generation specifically, I mean, Jeter's one of those pillars of, like, athletes that we grew up with. I mean, you look at Derek Jeter and Big Poppy in baseball, uh, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady in football. Kobe and Shaq and Tim Duncan, like these were the guys that we grew up watching when we were little kids in middle school. And Derek Jeter is one of the top role models, I think, for anybody growing up playing sports. Always class personified. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's crazy to think, you know, growing up, those were the guys that were in the spotlight, Jeter. And, you know, the Red Sox had guys like Veritek and, you know, and we're past that era now. And it's, it's weird seeing them getting inducted to the Hall of Fame, but it's, it's cool because even back then you knew like these guys were special. Some of these guys, and it's cool to see them being rewarded for the amazing careers they had. Have you uh, ever been to Cooperstown? I have been to Cooperstown. I went. Um, uh, I think I was like in middle school. It was, it was a long time ago, though. But remarkable place. I highly recommend it if people have a chance to go. I mean, there's so much history throughout that place, and I mean, you really just if you're if you're a diehard baseball fan like that, that is it's a place you have to go check out. Yeah, I went back in middle school. I, I remember Steve Young and uh, Shane brought me down, and it was really fun to kind of see that. But I, I didn't fully appreciate it like I would if I went today, and I'm really excited to make a trip down there to go again. Um, I'm going to ask you a tough question here. This is very probably very hard because there's probably a lot to choose from, but where do you think that Derek Jeter ranks among all of the great Yankees? Oh, man, uh, that is a tough one, Mike. It's it's hard to put him over guys like, uh, you know, Gehrig and Ruth. Uh, just because of the massive numbers they put up, but they played in such a different era. Um, it's hard to quantify the impact Jeter had on the clubhouse being the captain. Um, I don't know. I would say top three, but, you know, that's I guess that's just my opinion. I don't think there's, like, a quantifiable way to really, like, uh, put a number on it, but I, I think the Yankees are blessed to have him. Yeah. I mean, and now his uh, former teammate, Mariano Rivera, can still make fun of the fact that he was unanimously voted into the uh, Hall of Fame, the only person to be unanimously voted in. So he'll always have that over Derek Jeter the rest of their lives. But Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Mo, Mo got 100%. Um, I know a lot of people were kind of shocked uh, Ken Griffey didn't get 100%. Um, so I think that's kind of like the same case that Jeter's in. But at the end of the day, it's just, I mean, it's so hard to make it into the Baseball Hall of Fame. I'm sure those guys – don't, you know, they don't even care that they missed a few votes here or there. And then also a uh, shout out to Larry Walker making it in his last year on the ballot, uh, first Colorado Rocky. You know, that's, yeah. that's really remarkable too. Um, 
like I said, like these these are the guys that we grew up watching, and they, you know, they played amazing baseball, and it's cool to see them being recognized. I know it's it's crazy, and uh, you know the Yankees are a storied franchise. They have a lot of Hall of Famers, and uh, it's a lot of positives uh, out of baseball yesterday. But this past few weeks, there hasn't been a lot of positives to talk about baseball. Unfortunately, uh, some scandals of uh, cheating and stealing signals came out of Houston, Texas, and uh, some they they had to fire their manager and their general manager. And uh, because Alex Cora worked there uh, at the time, the Red Sox let him go. And now the Red Sox are under investigation. What have been your thoughts on everything playing out with this whole uh, sign-stealing scandal? You know, I, I just, as a fan of the game, I hate to see it. Um, you know, I, I I think there is a place in baseball for if a guy's tipping his pitches and you tell your teammates about it, that's fine, you know, like – but once you start using technology to cheat, uh, it just ruins the game. And as, as a big fan, like, it's just really sad to see. Yeah, I know Houston beat the Yankees that year. Um, so, you know, I'm not like a big Houston fan or something, but, you know, I'd much have rather than not cheated to win. I, I just think it's bad for the game. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the Astros batting averages from home versus away was incredible to see how much better they did at home because they had that advantage that they used. And they only beat the Yankees and the Dodgers that year by one game in the series. So, you know, it definitely makes a difference. Uh, according to CBS Sports, uh, the MLB has not really found much evidence in their investigation of the Red Sox. So as a Red Sox fan, I'm pretty happy about that. Um, but also, I, I think that the um, – I think it was right for the Red Sox and the Mets to fire uh, Alex Cora and Carlos Beltran. Even though Carlos Beltran didn't start on the job, it's just, you know, you don't want that in the organization. Uh, what you, Did you think that was fair for those guys to get fired? Uh, Cora definitely, because uh, he's so involved in the Houston scandal. I know Boston's being investigated right now for using uh, cameras to relay signals or something. I don't know all the details. I'm sure. Right. I, eventually, they'll wrap up the investigation. We'll see. Um, I even as a Yankees fan, I, I hope Boston isn't involved in anything. It, it's just bad for the game. I don't care. I hate the team. Love the team. I just it's bad for baseball. I don't want to see it. Uh, yeah, I, I get why Cora got canned. Beltron, I guess he was really involved as a player. I. I see why the Mets did it, but if the Mets didn't fire him, I would have understood as well. I've, but you can best believe if they did keep him, you know, I, I don't think he would have been well received uh, in baseball. I'm sorry, what was that? I was going to say if they had kept him, I think they would have had like a zero tolerance policy. Like if anything comes up, you're done. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough to say. I, don't, I, I think if I was the Mets, I would have gone ahead and gotten rid of him too. Um, I think that that's the most logical move. Yeah. Uh, JT, JD Martinez went on record with ESPN saying that it, the Red Sox will be found to be clean. I mean, I, I think if you're still on the team and you're willing to go on record and put your neck out there to say that, it, it bodes um, well for the Red Sox. I hope, you know, as a fan, I, like you said, I love the game and I, I love the team and I, I would hate to see that they did anything to that was against the rules. Um, well, in a, in a way, though, I mean, it's sort of a zero gamble move for J.D. to say that because, like, if they're found guilty, they're found guilty. That's all people are going to focus on. If they're found innocent, he can kind of be like, well, I told you so. Right. So, in a way, it's kind of a zero gamble move on his part. I don't I don't know if people coming out saying that their organization really means anything because um, I'm sure if you would have asked the Astros players a couple months ago, no, nah, we didn't do anything, you know, I'm sure that would have been the story. Right. So, I don't know. Like I said, we'll, we'll see what happens, and I hope uh, there's no more scandals that break out. Yeah, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, the Red Sox hire Jason Veritek as the next manager, but we'll see. I don't know if that's going to happen. It might be 
it might be too much trial by fire with spring training, like in a few weeks to just throw somebody in that, that has no managerial experience. So we'll yeah, and I, I get your reason for Veritech. Uh, obviously very well-respected Red Sox. I think catchers make great managers, but I also think there's something to uh, sourcing managers internally in the organization. You know, you have triple A, double A managers who've been there for a long time and, you know, have, have figured out how to manage and, and the Red Sox organization have figured out how to grow players for the MLB club. Maybe one of those guys should get the nod too, you know? Yeah. And I, I forget his name. They have someone on their staff that was uh, managing in uh, Milwaukee for four years. I just, his name's escaping me at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, yeah, so maybe, maybe sourcing internally is not the worst idea either, but uh, I'm sure either way the Red Sox will be all right. They, they always seem to bounce back. Yeah. They've got a lot of talent on that squad. Uh, Rob, we appreciate your uh, analysis of uh, Derek Jeter and, the uh, the scandal going on in the MLB right now. Well, we're going to ask you a Super Bowl question right now. It's Kansas City versus San Francisco. Uh, who you got? Uh, give me Kansas City. I think uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, so explosive. Uh, don't get me wrong, the 49ers are a great team. I could see it going either way, but I'll take Kansas City. I think Andy Reid's finally going to get one. So. All right. All right. Thoughts? That's, that's one for Kansas City on our board of guests that are picking uh, – for the Super Bowl? Yeah, I definitely can't blame him, man. I mean, picking against Pat, Pat Mahomes is incredibly hard, so siding with the guy who's probably the best quarterback in the league right now is that's smart. Yeah. Once once he gets going, I mean, good luck. Yeah. Good luck trying to stop him, you know? I, I, I hear you. That 27-yard run uh, was crazy. He, he can do it all. He's, he's like Superman out there. All right, Rob, thank you again for joining the show. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks a lot, guys, for having me. Appreciate it. The fight clock is brought to you by Modelo. So coming on to review, UFC 246, McGregor versus Cerrone is our good friend Steve Spencer. Steve, how's it going, man? In the words of Ryan Thompson, living the dream. Hey, there you go. Uh, Conor <laughs> McGregor, he came out swinging, obviously, as he won the fight in 40 seconds, which ensued a bunch of funny memes about guys being underwhelming in the bedroom. <laughs> it was very funny. Uh, how do you think this fight went, and uh, do you think Conor is back? I do think he's back. I think the fight went exactly how the UFC wanted it. Um, Conor came out strong. Cerrone tends to always start slow, and Conor always comes out like a shotgun so you kind of knew how that fight was going to go down and uh i think that was the best case scenario for the ufc and connor so yeah i do think he's back do you think that it was kind of like it kind of lucked out in this part you know with the uh, cerrone going for that takedown and then getting wobbled by that knee kind of similar to the masvidal Askren debacle yeah it was a little odd he kind of dipped right into i don't know if it was a hip shot um it wasn't as beautiful as the Masvidal neon Askren, but it was. It definitely did some damage to Cerrone. So, yeah, I, I guess Connor did luck out. Um, Cerrone dived right into that one. Yeah, it, it was definitely weird. I have never seen uh, someone get wobbled by shoulder strikes. Yeah. Like, have you ever seen that before? I know you've, you've watched a lot more fights than I have. I've seen it, but I've never seen it damage a fighter that bad. Um, it's kind of crazy seeing how other fighters are reacting to that. Um, I think Bisbing and Masvidal basically said like if someone ever shouldered me i just i'd walk right through it so yeah it was it was interesting <laughs> it was interesting um so basically yeah. uh masvidal and bisming were calling uh Cerrone a bitch 
is what you're saying. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I took it. Yeah, he took his payday and went home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was incredible, man. And then, and then Connor followed up with a nice head kick. And yeah. It was basically over from there, man. It, like, Cerrone, he was, he was true class personified afterwards. He's like, I'm not obviously not done. I'll be back, and I'll be fighting everybody out there. Uh, what do you think? Before we go on to who you think is next for McGregor, what do you think Cerrone does from here? Do you think he takes a break finally, or is he, do you think he'll just jump right back into it? I really want him to take a break. Um, <laughs> in the last 12 months, he's fought five killers, you know, including Iaquinta, Tony, Gaethje, and he, he's taken a lot of damage in those fights. Um, knowing Cerrone, he'll probably fight in like a month, but I really, <laughs> <laughs> I really hope he takes some time off and uh, heals up a little bit because he's at that stage in his career where, you know, he – He's taken a lot of damage, and um, I think he's too tough for his own good at this point. Yeah, hopefully he ends up. Uh, hopefully he made a lot of money off of this fight, and he can kind of take a break financially. I'm sure he's doing just fine anyway. But Mike, yeah. uh, what do you think of this fight? Well, I was trying to do the honorable thing and uh, stream it illegally because I didn't really <laughs> care about the rest of the ticket. I did the same thing, and I'm watching <laughs> the intros, and all of a sudden it cut out, and I'm like trying to hit refresh. I'm trying different links, and then I get a text from my brother saying, "Fuck yeah." And I'm like, wait, the fight's over? <laughs> yeah, that happened to me too. I couldn't believe it. So when I watched the fight in replay, you know, I watched the full fight video on YouTube. And again, it was like a minute, 12 seconds. So they showed the intros and everything. I was amazed that it ended so quickly. And uh, Dana White came out and said that he was surprised that Connor did so well at 170. He didn't think that he could. He's like, oh, he proved me wrong. And now he can do whatever he wants. And I'm excited to see who Connor fights next. Because, I mean, one of the criticisms of Connor McGregor was, like, his stamina. Because mm-hmm. he comes out like a shotgun, like Steve said. We didn't really get to see that proven wrong. And nothing about his stamina was proven in that fight. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I want to kind of see him go a couple rounds. Yeah. Until he wins a fight, you know, and then see what, what he does next. I don't know. That's what I took away from it. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, that is, has always been the knock on McGregor. And fortunately, he hasn't really ever had to deal with proving his stamina because the only times he's really had to go into all-out war was against Nate Diaz in both of the fights, uh, which mm-hmm. leads us into who Connor might fight next potentially. Steve, would you like to see the uh, the third match between Connor McGregor and Nate Diaz? I would. Um, but the thing with that fight is that fight's always going to be there. So Connor could fight, you know, he could fight Masvidal next. He could fight Gaethje next. Um, but that Nate Diaz fight, people are always going to want to see that fight just because of how their personalities just clash and just how those first two fights went. But so, yeah, I, I'm definitely interested in that fight. Fair enough. But if, so honestly, I think what's going to happen is Masvidal is going to end up getting a title shot at welterweight against Kamaru Usman, mm-hmm. which, which leaves Conor McGregor open to fighting either Nate Diaz or Justin Gaethje. Now, Justin Gaethje, he, that would be an incredible fight because Justin Gaethje always has incredible fights because the man is a lunatic. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he just takes shots and throws, throws them back. Like, it's always a brawl with him. Yeah. The only thing is, if him and Conor fight, are they going to do that at 170 or 155? Because it sounds like McGregor just wants to stay at 170 at this point. Yeah, I mean Connor, he's Mr. Weight class. He can really fight at whatever weight he wants. Gaethje were to fight, I would prefer it to be a fifth, just because that's where they've kind of both made their names. But uh, yeah, I guess it depends on what. 
Yeah, no, it, I mean, Connor always calls the shots, so we'll see what happens there. My prediction is I think it's going to be the, the rubber match between Nate Diaz and Connor McGregor, but I guess we'll wait and see. Uh, with uh, this uh, you've, UFC 246 card, was there anything else that stood out to you in terms of performances? It was a hard one. It, the, the fight the fight night kind of – the fight card kind of seemed like a fight night with a huge main event, so it was kind of hard to pick, like, a standout performance. Um I'll probably go with Sadiq Youssef. He fought on the prelims, and he beat a really tough Andre Feely in a very competitive fight. Um, he looked good. Both guys, honestly, both guys look good. Um, they both went hard three rounds, and it was a very close decision. So that that's kind of what sticks out to me, sticks out to me outside of the main event. Yeah, honestly, what stuck out to me with this card was just how boring the Holly Holm Raquel uh, <laughs> fight was. Like, I, I was, I had that on. Like, while I was playing video games, and I was like, wow, this fight sucks. Like, I am so sick of Holly Holm. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like she didn't want to be there. She was just very content to grab Raquel and push her to the fence and just grind out 15 minutes. Yeah, no, that, that one was definitely rough. But uh, what happened to the Claudia Gedalia fight? So, Alexa Grasso, I was really looking forward to that fight. Um, Alexa Grasso missed weight by five pounds, I think. Damn. And, yeah, the commission just called it off. Gedalia props to her she agreed to take the fight but the commission just said no and the fight was canceled yeah i mean that that always sucks for the the fighters who do make weight though because like they get screwed out of a lot of money like i'm sure dana white's to like still pays them but yeah but you know they're not getting paid the full what they should be for doing their their part you know yeah like they're not obviously not getting paid to win which sucks so like they end up losing out on a lot of money that they were probably planning on bringing in to pay their agents and their their teams and stuff. So that sucks. It always sucks to hear fighters miss weight and then uh, exciting fights get canceled. Yeah, and it sucks for them because they did nothing wrong, you know. Yeah, exactly. But uh, all right, so we'll move on. Uh, UFC 246 was an incredible event. It was great to see Conor McGregor back and in true Conor McGregor form, getting the knockout of uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone in 40 seconds. We'll move on to a. Uh, a space where our friend Steve is not completely well-versed. Uh, but we, as we have guests on the show, we are going to keep asking everybody for their Super Bowl predictions uh, before the big game between the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. So, Steve Spencer, let's hear your top-notch football analysis. Without going too in-depth, because you know me, <laughs> uh, I will pick the Chiefs, and I have no explanation why. I did a quick... Uh, google search and i checked the betting lines and that's based on that that's my prediction <laughs> <laughs> the Chiefs were favored by a point right yeah it was like minus one and a half or something like that i don't know well, Steve, steve's a gambling man he's all about vegas that's why he's a big ufc fan so he... there we go <laughs> have you Chiefs watched... for the win yeah have you watched the the chiefs at all this year have you seen any of their games i watched the last two games um Honestly, at this point, I forgot who they played, but I know they were, I think they were behind in one of the games, and then they just, they came out, and they just started uh, touchdown to touchdown, and yeah. they ended up okay. winning, obviously. So. Yeah, no, it, it was an incredible comeback against the Houston Texans, where they scored three touchdowns in three minutes, so yep. you, you are siding. That's with, the game. Yeah, you are siding with the team <laughs> who has the most explosive offense in the NFL, so honestly, that is not... A bad choice, but uh, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. It's always good to have a guy with uh, some extensive UFC knowledge. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Anytime.
in the market for a new car, truck, or SUV? Well, come on down to Capilino Buick GMC on Transit Road in Williamsville, New York, and ask for me, Mike Gilchrist, and I will help you find your new ride today. We've got a great selection in our new and used inventory, and Capilino's has been awarded the Buick Dealer of the Year the last four years running. We'd love to show you why. Come on in, ask for me, and we can work it out. All right, we've brought you guys some uh, talk about the NFL, UFC, Major League Baseball. Uh, just some quick notes about uh, some basketball stuff going on. Uh, only a few weeks away from the NBA All-Star break, and uh, right now the team's leading their conferences. You've got the Lakers and the Clippers uh, leading the race in the Western Conference, followed quickly behind by the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz, both strong teams. They just don't have the superstars that LA, the two LA teams have. Mm-hmm. And then the Eastern Conference is led by Milwaukee, who's just been going off again this year. They have a huge lead, right? Yeah, they're 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 dominating in the standings right now. I mean, it's probably like seven games or something like that. Today. Uh, it's um, they're, they're thirty nine and six. They're eight games ahead of the number two seed. Eight games, okay. Uh, and the Miami Heat with Jimmy Butler are number two. You saw them in person. Biggest surprise of the year so far. I cannot believe that they are number two in the East right now. Uh, I, I'm not surprised that they're up there. I'm not surprised that they're. I'm surprised that they're number two. I would have thought they'd be like yeah. three or four. Well, they're doing it. With a bunch of undrafted free agents. You yep. got Kendrick Nunn. Uh, I can't think of any of the other guys' names. I only know Kendrick Nunn because he's on my fantasy basketball team. But uh, <laughs> Tyler Hero's been playing out of his mind. So like, well, they've it, got the MVP in Kelly Olenek. Yeah, exactly. So they have a stacked roster. No. When, <laughs> when I say MVP in Kelly Olenek, when the Celtics traded away Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, when I played NBA 2K those years without a, a star on the Celtics, I always led the team in scoring with Kelly Olenek. <laughs> Every single time. You, know, you went for the tall, awkward white guy. That That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and then you got the Toronto Raptors. So I'm surprised they've been playing so well, even without Kawhi. They're 29 and 14. And uh, my Celtics are 28 and 14 as well. Uh, so they're only a half a game behind them. And you've got the Philadelphia 76ers, who are the five seed. They haven't been playing great. Um, no, definitely not. They're definitely underwhelming. But Joel Embiid's been, he's always hurt, man. It's mm-hmm. so frustrating because he he's the best center in the league. Yeah, I would say, you know, but like he can't stay on the court. I know. But, and you know what? The Eastern Conference is actually pretty weak. I mean, after you get to those first six, like the Pacers are 28 and 16. The Magic are in the playoffs right now, aren't they? At 21 and with a losing record at 21 and 23. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, look at the Western Conference. I mean, even they have a, their eighth seed is the Memphis Grizzlies, 20 and 23. Solid team. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know what? The West has, you know, they've got, L.A., L.A., Denver, Utah, the Dallas Mavericks, who are really fun to watch, especially I, – I thought well, after Dirk would leave Dallas, I wouldn't care about them. They are good. I, Luka, incredible. Uh, such a great player. Yeah. So, and he, he might be the best Maverick at, at the end of his career. He could pass Dirk. Yeah, no, I could totally see that. And I saw an interesting debate from on first take between Stephen A. and Max where they – I think it was Max – was saying that Luca is the best. How old is Luca? Like 20, 21? He's like 22. Yeah. yeah 21, Luca is the best 21 year old he's ever seen in the NBA. And I was like, hmm. That would mean he's better than LeBron yeah. and Kobe and definitely better Grant. scorer. I'll say that. But def- defensive wise, he's, he doesn't do anything. Well, he leads the Dallas Mavericks in points, rebounds, and assists this season. His stat line is 29.1 for points, 9.7. 29 points a game? 29 points a game. That's ridiculous. Uh, 9.7 rebounds and 9 assists. Yeah. So, so almost incredible. a triple-double every single night yeah, is what he's averaging. 21, man. And he's white. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's why he's doing so well. <laughs> so, no, I, I'm, I think this has been a really fun NBA season. A lot of really good teams. Uh, at the top of the conferences, at the bottom of the conferences, they all stink. Yeah. But, but, but uh, it's a lot more balanced than it's been in the past. And the Golden State Warriors have the worst record in the league, which is hilarious. Yeah. They've won 10 games this season. Such a fall from grace once you lose KD and, and then you lose Curry and Thompson to uh, injury. Man. That team is just dismantled right now. It, Ten and thirty-five. It shows that Draymond isn't a star, and I get maybe even he, he's uh, a star. Needs, he's a star who needs stars around him. Yeah, same with D'Angelo Russell. Like he can't do it alone. So, yeah, the NBA has been a, a crazy trip. But we'll uh, we'll move on to college basketball. Everybody yep. loves themselves some NCAA basketball. We'll start with the good news. The good news is that the Syracuse Orange are on a three-game win streak. They have defeated Virginia Tech, Virginia who at the time was ranked number 18 in the country, which mm-hmm. is pretty awesome. They won it overtime. Which was crazy because they had only 19 points in the second half. Syracuse yeah. did. And it was just another low-scoring game like the first matchup. And then Syracuse in overtime scored like 22 points. Yeah. They, and Buddy Baham just went off. Yeah, he hit like a half-court shot. Yeah. Like at the end of yeah. the yeah, he, And he banked it in. Yeah. <laughs> so he knew Buddy Bayham was feeling it. That was a huge win for Syracuse. That was one they desperately needed because they have dropped a couple games this season that they probably should have won. Um, and then they also uh, beat the brakes off of Boston College, which was expected. So Syracuse is on a run. Yeah, and as we're recording this, you know, to give it full context, Syracuse is winning at halftime against Notre Dame in Notre Dame 46-42. to 42. Yeah. So uh, hopefully they hold on to that. We won't know until, obviously, this is posted. The result will have come in. But hopefully that will be Syracuse's fourth win in a row. Another another thing for them to build on. And that would make them 12-7, and 5-3 in the ACC. If they can manage to beat the teams they're supposed to and then maybe get one win against a Duke or a North Carolina – Maybe they get a late bid well, for the tournament. Beating North Carolina is not going to be anything. North Carolina. Oh, that's right. Yeah, North Carolina stinks this year. Yeah. Um. So who was that? Maybe NC State. Yep. NC State's a solid yeah. team this year. So the, the ACC in general is a lot weaker. Like the ACC is not the best conference in college basketball anymore, which is really interesting because that's usually the case. Yeah, it's usually like the ACC in basketball is like the SEC in, yeah. in football. But now it's the Big Ten. The Big Ten is looking amazing with Michigan State, Wisconsin, Michigan. Uh, everybody in that conference is looking great. So yeah, I mean the top teams right now in the ACC is Florida State, uh, Louisville, Duke, who just lost. Dude, uh, Duke lost two in a row. Yeah, which so, is great. Yeah, they lost to Louisville and they lost to Clemson. <laughs> so Syracuse could beat them. I mean, yeah. why not? Every, every game is winnable for Syracuse and moving on. So hopefully they're able to pull out some wins. And- I, I hope so. I mean, you know, because it, it's just the, the NCAA tournament is always fun, but. It's just so much more fun when Syracuse is involved. Absolutely. And you know what's so frustrating? I was thinking about this during the Virginia Tech game. If Syracuse just had one competent uh, post player, someone who could actually produce some offense in the paint, I think they would be at least a top 15 team. I was talking about this with Pat. Pat said top 15. I was like, yep, that's right on the money. Because they. this is the first team in a long time that has had a plethora of shooters. Mm-hmm. Like people that can shoot the three consistently like Buddy Bayheim, Joe Girard, um, Elijah Hughes. Everybody can shoot the three, but they're so one-dimensional. Yeah. All they can do is shoot jump shots. They have no interior offense. Barama Sadibe is not good. Dolajai is too small. And it's it's frustrating to watch, but hopefully Syracuse can make it on the bubble. They've got 13 games left after this game against Notre Dame. Of those 13, only three are against ranked teams. So if they can win – 90% of those games where they're not ranked teams and 
get one or two of those games against the ranked opponents. They they could definitely make the tournament. Right now, there's I think they're slated to make the tournament. They're right in like they're in like the a bottom of the ACC. They're a bottom bubble team. Yes, exactly. they're a bottom tier bubble team. They're on the bubble, yeah. but they're at the bottom of the bubble. Beating Virginia was huge. Yes, I, I think that really helped their case. And, so. and they can and they have the game against Duke at home. Yep. So if they can beat Duke in the Carrier Dome, and then they have both those other two games are on the road. If they can win one of those two on the road against either Florida State or Louisville, and they can beat Duke, I don't see how they miss the tournament. If they lose to Duke, but they beat those two teams, or if they win one of those games, but they won all these other games against teams like Pittsburgh, North Carolina, they can get Boston College back, beat Miami. Clemson. 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 Uh, yeah, they go to Clemson on the 28th, so yeah. – I don't know. I'm opti- I'm more optimistic now than I was maybe two or three weeks ago. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everybody was just riding off the Syracuse team. So hopefully they can keep the run going. Uh, it, it's been fun to watch act- some actual good Syracuse basketball. Finally, with the college basketball news, uh, I, I know I was talking to you about this earlier, the Kansas versus Kansas State brawl. Oh. I mean, how, how insane was that? I mean, literally. So it, for those of you that didn't see, basically the Kansas. For those of you who are uninformed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The, uh, the Kansas player, uh, his last name was D'Souza, they were up by 21 points, and he was just dribbling out the clock. And with about five seconds left, the Kansas State player stole the ball from him when he wasn't really paying attention. As he was driving to the hoop, D'Souza came up and had the block of the century. Like, it was a nasty block. Absolutely sent the ball into the stands. But then afterwards, he stood over the Kansas State player who stole the ball, and he taunted him. This prompted the Kansas State bench to clear one of the players who was injured, who wasn't even playing in the game, got in a fist fight with D'Souza, and as it spilled into the dis, uh, disabled section of the fans, uh, they got separated. He picked up a stool Oof. and went after the guy who who uh, punched him. So not good. Uh, D'Souza was suspended indefinitely. I saw Dick Vitale come on and say, like, oh, this guy never deserves to play college basketball ever again. Like He should be out of the game, baby. Yeah. yeah like I, I think that's a little much. Getting suspended for the rest of the season, maybe, but to just completely destroy this kid's life and destroy his future for one stupid thing where he picked up a stool. He didn't actually hit anybody with the stool, but he just picked it up. I don't know. That's a little much. Yeah, if he threw it at somebody. Yeah, if he actually hurt someone, yes. Yeah. Because that's a criminal offense. But There's no room for that in this game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so. uh, Dick Vitale, easiest guy to make fun of in sports. <laughs> in terms of his voice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's the college basketball news. I just wanted to bring up that crazy brawl because that's what everybody's talking about in the news right now. Um, obviously, there's that shouldn't happen, but it brought back some excitement relating to the malice in the palace. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I remember that back when uh, he was formerly Ron Artest. <laughs> uh, got in a, a fight with someone in the stands. Yeah, we, we won't go into a full analysis of that, but if you have time, definitely look that up on YouTube if you've never seen it. It's definitely an insane watch. But uh, yeah, that's uh, those. That's our basketball news. Yeah, it, it, I, I were set for a uh, exciting uh, March Madness. I think. Yeah, definitely an exciting uh, All Star game and second half of the NBA season when it actually becomes important. That's right. Go Celtics. All right, you guys, thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Another Damn Sports Podcast. We had some great content for you guys today. We had Steve Spencer on to analyze uh, UFC 246 and Conor McGregor's uh, quick win over Cowboy, and Conor is back. Woo! (laughs) And uh, Rob Hannon was on to talk about uh, Derek Jeter getting elected into the Hall of Fame and the, uh, the outpour of the, you know, aftermath of the cheating scandal going on in Houston and hopefully not in Boston. 
Um, and uh, as this week and next week on the show, every guest that comes on, we're asking them to give us their Super Bowl pick. Next week, we plan on having a bunch of guests on to just drop in, see what they think about the Super Bowl. It'll be a Super Bowl special next week. Um, and so far, uh, we've got two guys back in Kansas City. Both Rob and Steve picked Kansas City to win. And uh, Drew and I will reveal our picks at the very end of next week's show. Uh, Drew, you excited to have a, hear what other people have to say about Super Bowl 54? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many talking points that can be had with this game. And I'm excited to see where people lean because, I mean, it, it's such a tough decision. Like, I am very excited to see who I am able to pick, who you pick. Uh, it's going to be an awesome game. But uh, honestly, this is kind of sad. This is the first weekend in months that we're not going to have NFL football to look forward to. I know. Uh, so uh, I guess the only thing people are going to be able to watch this weekend is some uh, college basketball, some NBA. I've got my DVD of Super Bowl 42. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's living in the past. I'm living in the future. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend, and thank you again for listening to another Damn Sports Podcast.